everybody and welcome back to Chronic But Iconic. This episode has Natasha Metcalf, who is the co-founder of Lyme Disease UK. She is so, so amazing and I definitely wanted her on this channel over Awareness Month because, of course, she has such great, great experience to share with you, all of the awareness work she does and setting up a charity. So I really, really hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Hi Natasha. Hi Sophie, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Thank Yay. you for coming on today. Thank you for having me, it's so kind of you. No, thank you for coming on, I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And can you just sort of go into a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to the listeners really? Of course. Well, um, my name is Natasha Metcalf and um. I've had Lyme disease for many years, since I was about 16. Yeah. Um, but it obviously, you know, as you know, uh, from your own story, um, it took so long to be diagnosed. So I never sort of knew what I was suffering with um, for over a decade. Um, and it wasn't until I went to America that a doctor took one look at me and said, this is what I think you have. Um based yeah. on my, my clinical symptoms and then a blood test uh went on to confirm that so as, as similarly to you I had a very very long time waiting for my diagnosis and um then when I came back to the UK I just felt so outraged that there was nothing really in place for people who'd slipped through the net like me yeah so I, start, I started actually blogging in the beginning um just to sort of it was very cathartic just getting everything down on paper about how I'd been treated and you know left sort of helpless for so long um and then another sufferer at the same age as me um called Louise Dean she actually uh, reached out to me on my blog um and we were just incredulous because her story had mirrored mine so carefully yeah and um so we just said well what can we do about this and you know Facebook is such a powerful tool so that's when we actually decided to set up a a support group and we had absolutely no idea you know how quickly people would find us and join us but within you know a few weeks of 100 people and then 200 people it just escalated and obviously yes now we have a community of nearly 10,000 people so none neither of us could have predicted how much this would have grown and just how much there was a need for um support in the UK definitely and I think you've just hit the nail on the head there really because I think people like we know still a lot of people are go undiagnosed and don't really know much about the disease that they spend so many years feeling so alone and so lost that you know this the community and the support hub that you've managed to create is a lifeline in so many ways to many people yeah um, we're just so lucky that you know I think Facebook is is so powerful and um, you know there was an element of having people in there sort of under their real names because we did talk about creating a forum you know like an, a more traditional style of forum where everybody's right. using, a, using a, an, an avatar and a handle and you know we, we sort of thought well the beauty of Facebook is that people are generally operating under their own names and so you really feel like you get to know people who you then go on to meet in real life but you've already put faces to names you know so it's yeah. a very it was a platform that you know it, it does have its pitfalls in some ways but it was a platform that was very accessible because most people already had a Facebook account you know so they were finding us quickly um, and I think that's really helped our sense of community is that most people are using their real pro profiles you know so, yes. so you do feel like you're really getting to know people on a different level than if they were just using pseudonyms you know 
Yeah, and people, like you say, some a lot of people don't really have the support from their family that they should be getting um, because people still don't really understand that much about the disease. So the more that they connect with other people and the more that we manage to spread the message, you know, the bigger it's going to become and the more accepted it's going to become as well. Absolutely, because I think there's a big tendency to turn inwards, you know, with this, because you, you, do, you do think you're the only person. And when you have enough people or enough medical professionals telling you it's all in your head, I mean, that happened to me for years. Yes. Um, and at quite a crucial age as well, when you're only a 16 year old, you know, being yeah, told. Yeah, still that, growing and developing. Yeah, you, you still don't know who you are in yourself. And, you know, yes. you're not, you haven't got that confidence to say this isn't who I am. You know, you just kind of believe all the labels that yeah. are being stacked. And luckily, my family never believed it. So they, they were kind of knew me better than I knew myself almost. They were the ones saying, look, this isn't right. You know, there's definitely something going on. There's too many physical. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy how often it takes people who know you well to almost know you better than yourself because they were the ones saying you know this is this isn't right there's something more going on yeah a lot of people don't have that and so exactly. yeah. I was just going to say you're so so lucky to have had that because yes. a lot of people really do spend years sort of almost battling their families because they want acceptance and they want support from their family and their family are quite closed off they're quite dismissive and absolutely. they believe the medical community when they say it's in your head. Well, absolutely. And I mean, even coming from a family who who are so supportive, I found, you know, reading out other people's stories, I, I felt this sort of sense of, of validation, you know, that other people go, it was horrible to read, but it was other people were going through um, the same thing. And so I just remember yeah. sort of reading, reading stories out and just thinking, wow, that I, this could have been written by me. And so even though I had the support, it was, I needed to hear that other people, you know, it wasn't just me and that other people were experiencing the same thing. And it's just the nature of the illness, you know, rather yes. than you're, you've completely lost who you are in your mind. So, um, no, it was, it was an incredible um, to witness just how many people needed the support that we felt was missing. And I think it was, it was very rewarding, as horrible it, as it was to see so many stories. It was very rewarding to see that, our guess was right that there were a lot of people out there who also needed yes. to, to calm, you know, because we were able to provide that. And well, thanks to Facebook, I mean, you know, it wasn't very difficult to set up, but it was clearly so needed. And I think it was it was it, giving people a voice and giving people a community um, suddenly gave me a sense of purpose again as well. Definitely. And I think that's key. And like you say, you know, it is rewarding seeing people, although it is, really really heartbreaking listening to the stories but seeing people find friends find support it's just so it's heartwarming in another sense and that's what drives you to keep going absolutely and I think um you know one of my biggest still to this day after all these years one of my biggest feelings of reward is when people do meet up up you know in person Um, yes they found each other that they're only local and they've been able to and that might be the first time they've been out for you know to see somebody for for years um yeah but they can suddenly face it because they're meeting somebody who who understands understands that's a massive thing isn't it understanding 
Yes, and it's not a threat because you're not having to do any explaining. You're already meeting somebody who yeah. who, who knows how what it feels like, and so you know it's given me a social life uh, as well. The whole community because there's something very special about being with people who already understand. There's no explaining to do. You can just uh, you can meet on a very de- a much deeper level because you, you you already understand what each other are going through. Yeah. So um, I think that's always been something that brings so much joy is to find out you know people have found each other in real life and are having fun together again you know and um, not just at official events but unofficial events you know people discover they they live in the local areas so seeing people organize their own meetup groups um around the country is is hugely rewarding yeah I know exactly and like you say it's just lovely to see people start connecting and, and being able to go out the house and having that sort of social life because you do you just you lose enthusiasm about life in general because it's just all about medical side of things pain and it wears you down and when you're feeling so alone and you've isolated yourself for so long you do wonder if you'll ever get that back and that fun side of life back so so true the community is amazing for that yes and I think what's so lovely is that there's also so much humor out there I mean in all the sort of darkness um what I've found is that you know the people in the community have often got the best sense of humor so you know you can go out thinking you're you're off to meet a fellow sufferer and then you spend the whole time just laughing and you know you actually it's incredibly therapeutic it's not all doom and gloom at all and I think that's something very special is that people who are suffering on such a deep level actually have managed to retain the sense of humor and I think that's really inspiring yeah definitely I definitely agree with that because like you say it's it's finding the positives amongst all the negatives isn't it yes absolutely and for a long time my only um reason to go out the house was for medical appointments and so suddenly finding uh finding a community you could spend time with and have fun with um was a huge stepping stone to getting back out into the world yes definitely and like we were just saying before the community has grown so so much and so quickly as well and and now we're becoming a registered charity which is absolutely insane and and you must feel so so proud well I mean I I feel so proud but also so grateful in that you know we we it actually started because we needed to um we were invited to an event and we realized we needed to create some materials because we didn't have anything uh you know to display at this event and so we just did a a crowdfunder in our community and um we were blown away I mean we exceeded our our target for this event you know within within days um and this yeah. is so, it was so special because also people were paying huge amounts for their own treatment and they didn't have a lot of money. And so to actually, um, for them to actually want to give uh, so that we could attend an event was, was mind blowing. It was, it was, it was so humbling. And then um, we uh, realized that, you know, we had money left over and so therefore we needed to create more materials. And so very soon, um, yeah. you know, we were able to we were by, by default, it was a non-profit uh, organization now, and it allowed us to go on to create our first awareness campaign. Um, and then with the charity, once we reached a certain threshold, um, it was then, you know, a legal obligation to become a charity. So it's sort of the community carried us to that point, and we couldn't have done it without everybody being so generous and supportive. Mm-hmm. So it was never actually um, an aim of ours when we set out, you know, it was almost like it just happened uh, organically because yeah. people were so supportive. So um, yeah, it was wonderful to be sort of guided into that into that position just by the generosity of, of, the, of the community and the general public. It's, it is so fabulous. And, and I think 
also it sort of restores your faith in people and in life as well and you know you get that sort of level of support back after having no support for so long exactly it's like the complete opposite that suddenly people are rooting for you having been yeah as you say having been told that you know just to go and to go away and and to be left on a scrap heap and and there's no hope and you know no one can help us and we're all making it up to suddenly having people feeling that your organization is worth supporting so it is a massive sense a a complete opposite to how we've been treated you know in the past so no I know exactly and of course you know we keep keep growing but people forget the level of work that goes on behind the scenes so I'm sure you'll be able to shed some light (laughs) on how much hard work goes on I know well I mean we're we're so lucky so we've got 14 volunteers um which is just amazing that people I mean you know it it would be amazing if we were able to pay people but obviously you know we can't yet we're a small town so to me it's just wonderful that we have such a big and strong and supportive and loving team so none of that would be possible without them so I'm you know incredibly grateful but no it's it's a huge amount of work and it's one of those roles where well for everybody who's working with the organization um the work is never done I mean there's always something yeah it's it's, in some ways it's lovely because you know you can we've got so many creative people on our team you included um and so everybody sort of brings their own ideas to the table and it's so lovely just to be able to say yes like please run with that you know so I think it's such a blend of of people's uh people have their own sort of babies within the charity you know things that they want to do yeah and so it's just an absolute pleasure to say wow you know that's that's to please go ahead you know as long as your health is up to it and don't don't overdo it so um but but no I mean there are so many different uh facets to running a charity and it's a big learning curve because um that's a before. so it's very much a question of learning on the job but I mean it's amazing in one day what you what you end up doing so you know you can you can be speaking to the press and then you'll be making graphics for social media and then you're dealing with a research request and then um you know people have got ideas about fundraising events and so with it it, it, it's never dull (laughs) there's always exactly yeah and I think some people I I get it from some people say like you know you're focusing on your illness too much you know you're always doing things for Lyme and all this but you're doing so many different things that it actually gives you so much purpose and brings back that sort of fun back into your life because everything's different you know you never know what's going to come your way yeah, exactly and the other thing is we're building up skill sets too so I mean I, I don't know about you obviously you had your athletic career but for me I didn't have the chance to start yeah. my career and so you know to people who sort of say oh this is all too much you know focused online it's like well actually learning such valuable skills that you know it's yes. essentially like running a, a small business you know it's, it's obviously a charity but your Definitely. skills that you're using are very transferable and so it's very creative and um you know, I get I get very sort of excited about bouncing ideas around and talking to um, organisations who want to support us. So I don't I don't see it as a negative sort of dwelling on things too much. I see it as um, no. a very dynamic, and and I think it's the nature of the team and the community. It's very dynamic and it's very um, it, it feels positive. I, I think as soon as Definitely. yeah, and I think all of us are in tune with our health enough to know that if it feels negative, then we're probably going to stay away from it. You know, but. I think yes. supporting each other through it, and we, we do have that team culture, is is so crucial because it does become a force for good instead of a a force to drag us down. You know, definitely. And like you say, it's it's sometimes very difficult because like like we're all very very poor, yes. aren't we? And sometimes it's hard to know where that line is, I mean, and we always want to give our best, 
and do as much as we possibly can but sometimes we have to just sort of rewire our brains and just take a minute to recharge because we forget how poorly we are this is it because you can sort of be on a complete roll and then your body's sort of saying slow down a bit you know so I think also part of it is learning to say no to we we get so many opportunities that are coming our way which is fantastic and never used you know instead of us having to seek them out a lot of the time we're now getting wonderful opportunities coming to us and that's been a major um, turning point um, having become a charity but yes that you do have to be um, discerning and also learn when to say no to some things if your health isn't up to it and also not being ashamed to say I'm really sorry um, we're snowed under at the moment yeah, that... we're snowed under and we're not feeling very well we're unpaid yeah. volunteers um, but can we come back to you you know I think that's been a really crucial lesson running this organization is that you know sometimes it's okay to say no but it's not it's not an indefinite or a definite no it's it's a we'll you know we'll hopefully come back to you if, if if and when yeah. we can so that's been a really a really uh, important lesson too that health still has to come first we can't run ourselves into the ground however excited we get about certain things yeah because exactly because like you say you sort of do start like with the self-guilt and you think oh no have I missed an opportunity or have I missed helping someone that really needed my help um, but like you say you really have to think about yourself first which is often hard when we love helping people like that's our purpose really in life I feel and it's very difficult isn't it it? is but I always sort of think of the oxygen mask analogy you know we you have to put your own oxygen mask on before you can help other people and so we have to also look after our own health within this within the team um as much as possible so we can be maximum help to other people you know but um yes that's very true I, I do feel like we we always sort of try and stress that you know that health has to but it is, yes. it is really easy to get carried away with all the exciting things going on you know there's so many things that, yeah and I think having not had a voice for so long um it, it's an incredible feeling that people are taking us seriously we had to really fight for that you know we were dismissed a lot in the yes. early days people didn't want to know and now the fact that we we actually um get to talk to people who make decisions and who you know having organizations approach us like the scouts and Outward Bound and a lot of the NHS trusts and schools and you know I I think having people who want our information instead of us pushing it on them is is a really different feeling um and that tells us that it's kind of a gauge for us that we are making a difference um and that our materials uh which you know that all the fundraising has helped to to fund um are actually being useful in the community people seem to not you know want more and more so often people will order Definitely. one batch of uh, awareness materials and then the second order will be placed immediately because they've gone down so well so um i feel so grateful that that our message is welcome now Definitely, definitely. And like we touched on before, that the fact that the community is such a strong support hub and to many people that is a lifeline. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we want to be known as, as a positive space where people can find comfort and relate, but also feel safe. Exactly. In. And also um, without them, you know, we wouldn't have wouldn't be able to reach the the, the nation because um, when we do our yes. when we do our awareness packs, it's the community generally. Obviously, we have the organisations ordering them too, but people in our community yeah. who are often too sick to really get out of bed they still want to go and distribute leaflets and so it's a major I mean that for me is just so inspiring that somebody who can barely get out of bed still wants to go and put up one of our posters you know because it means something to them to get their message out so without them there would be no campaign there would be no there would be no uh 
nationwide campaign without our community who are the ones doing this distributing um to a large extent yeah definitely and like, and like you say a lot of people sort of think about sort of raising awareness and seeing it you know TV or they need to be doing this or hosting events when actually sometimes word of mouth just dropping a few leaflets here and there can do the world of good and reach so many people more than they ever really believe it to be fair and it's sometimes smaller things that matter the most I couldn't agree more and things like you know even clicking on clicking a button to share one of our posts I mean that's social media now is so powerful yes yeah so and we gen- it really is and we can generate the analytics you know to see the reach of every post and you know it, again it just takes people just to click that button and share it with their friends and family and then yes. they've, edu- they've educated everybody on their friend list um you know and that's that is that can be as, as simple as it needs to be you know in terms of um, helping us to share the message so you don't even need to leave your house you know to be doing having a big impact um you can just just share um, yes and, and get make sure that everybody who you're close to and, and your friend list um sees those posts you know about how to protect themselves and then that you've contributed in a big way by doing that. definitely i totally agree with that definitely yeah. and i know this question is going to be hard but um Throughout all of our achievements within, you know, stop for, from starting from scratch, what would you say are your a few sort of highlights of our time as a community? Wow. Well, I know that so that is a big <laughs> question, but um, I would I would have to say the Wake Up to Lime campaign. Um, this yes. is now our third one, and seeing it grow uh, year on year has just been phenomenal because it was a success the first year, and we never imagined it would. Um, you know, grow to the point where we have sponsors and we yeah. have, um, you know, again, people just reordering because they've run out of their materials. So I think the campaign has just been one of the biggest successes we've had, um, you know, and it, it, we get excited about it every year and just how it's going to go bigger. And obviously this year we've had um, buildings being lit up and, you know, the fact that yes. building, that that's, and thanks to you, you you've helped with the Oh, thank tool, you. Yeah. Cool uh, tower. Um, you know, we've had all these bridges and big landmarks, you know, being lit up. And I think that's your, that's a very sort of symbolic um, representation of how far we've come. Uh, the fact that they're now prepared to get behind us and they think it's a worthy cause um, to, t- you know, to take on. And um, so, yes, we've gone from handing out a few leaflets in an event to now uh, buildings being lit up. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so which is um, crazy. It's such a short space of time as well. Yeah. I um, mean, I always say to my mum, I'm like, I'm praying for the day that we have something like stand up to cancer on TV when like we get all these celebrities involved because that would be like so amazing and such a dream. Absolutely. Um, And then I think another milestone has been getting to work, um, you know, with the MPs and actually having a conversation with them because before it was very much, we we couldn't sort of get near them. You know, we we could... um, write letters but we, we couldn't actually have discussions so I think having meetings and that was a that was a collaborative uh you know that was a collaborative effort with all the different line organizations but I think actually getting a conversation going where MPs now know about this and they all they will help us on social media and they will do what they can to to help you know within their constituencies I think actually getting that uh one-on-one time with them has been a huge breakthrough for us um another highlight has actually been able to become stakeholders you know we've, we've sort of become a big enough voice now to yes. have a say um 
and some of the processes like the NICE guideline or, you know, they had the independent reviews and we've actually been invited to give our comments. And I think that's been very powerful because, you know, definitely. although the changes haven't been major, we've managed to collectively, again, with the other organisations, um, get some things changed that are very important. So um, yeah. it's it's seeing your change, seeing change being affected um, through, through commenting and through... Um, just just being big enough to to have a voice I think that's something that where we never had one before yeah exactly I was just going to say you know we we didn't have a very strong voice as a charity but we didn't have a strong voice as people so it's rewarding in both senses yes exactly so sort of becoming more involved in the sort of policy side and you know learning about how we can work with those in power to to make some and even if they're small changes year on year it's still working in the right direction rather than moving backwards so definitely um, definitely and you know I've only been diagnosed two years now and I've seen it grown dramatically in just that two-year period so you've helped us so much to grow so you've been a really big part of it as well but you know it's 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 only going to go up and you know our voice is just going to keep growing and growing and growing and the more and more people that we educate and protect the more lives we save in the long run and that was the whole goal anyway wasn't it really well exactly I think we sort of have we we definitely have this sort of that split focus so we've got the wanting to do everything we can for the new cases to make sure nobody ends up like us and that's a very strong you know and that that's something that we can we can really sort of uh, see change quickly in terms of you know if somebody comes into the community with a new bite and they've been told by their doctor that Lyme doesn't exist in the UK or they're only going to be given one week of antibiotics we can immediately say check the nice guideline that's incorrect um you're entitled to three weeks and then possibly a second course you know so that might be the difference between somebody um you know nipping it in the bud versus becoming completely bed bound and 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 you know an unproductive member of society you know so that's a very but then then obviously we never want to forget those who are suffering like us of course and that's where it's, it's slightly harder because it's horrible to have to tell people you know, you've had the standard NHS treatment, you're still ill, you've been left on the scrap heap. Um, so the only real option you have is to explore the private route. And that's a really yeah. difficult, and obviously there's no guarantee. So we have to be very careful about sort of saying, go go and seek private treatment. You know, we have to sort of um, say, these are the options. And then people yes. have to be very much in charge of their own journey because the research doesn't exist yet. And so it's, it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah for those people who missed that early window of treatment because we feel so passionately about supporting them but it's not as clear-cut as you know go back to your doctor and ask for this I mean we have to sort of present them with the options and then people have to feel empowered enough to to decide which route they want to go down because the science hasn't caught up yet uh in terms of what these alternative or or what these uh private practitioners are offering so we're having to always put that disclaimer in that you know we we can't guarantee this is going to work for you. You've got to pick your own path. But at least we we show people the path, and then uh, yes, exactly, yes. Because it, it's not necessarily the end of the road. Um, if if you're if you can somehow access private treatment, whether that's through fundraising for it or, um, you know, choosing choosing an option that is the least expensive possible. You know that there there are options out there, but. Um, yeah it's such a treacherous it's a really treacherous path and and it's 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 horrible to have to say people to people you've sort of you've had everything you're entitled to on our healthcare system um we shouldn't be in this situation you know it's it's, no. it's 
it's really uh really cruel and incredibly difficult um just personally and as an organization to have to say well that's the end of the road that's all you're entitled to so you're not going to get any more help here um you're going to have to look elsewhere but obviously it's a very important part of our work too because I think as long as people have hope they they can keep going but as soon as they're told that's it then that's that's an incredibly negative place to be in you know definitely and like you say everybody sort of reacts to different treatments in different ways so yes what works for me might not work for you and vice versa so we can't give advice saying you know this is your magic cure although we'd love to exactly we can't do that yet and I think that's also makes it very difficult because like you say private medical care is very very expensive yes people they they don't want to put all their money into one treatment that isn't known to be effective and exactly that can cause quite a lot of mental strain and maybe depression even because people still don't really know what to do so we try like say try and advise them as much as we can but it has to come from them and what you know how many how much funds they want to put towards it or how they want to fundraise for it or what they feel more comfortable with doing Exactly. And it's also so personal. It depends what your sort of belief system is based on. I mean, you you might be um, completely opposed to herbal medicine or natural medicine, and therefore that's never going to be a route that you go down. So, um, you know, it really depends on on your own personal belief system, too, which is why we believe in giving people, you know, signposting them to the options, but we can't possibly make that decision for people. Um, And as you said, with feeling down and depressed about, you know, the funding side yeah. the other the other issue is guilt too I think I mean I've experienced this myself um when when I've had to have financial help with with treatment um it's that guilt that sets in and the, yes. pressure, the pressure for it to work as well whereas this is still such an under-researched condition where we still don't know the best way to treat it and that the, the science the science isn't there yet so yeah you know anything that as soon as you sort of leave um the mainstream you're going to be um taking some risks and um having to weigh up in your own mind you know what you're prepared to to try because definitely you never think it will happen to you do you where you've got an illness that they can't they don't know what the cure is yet definitely Um, not and it's it's like being in no man's land because you just really you feel so lost and you know a lot there's a lot of sort of um, options on the table so to say but it's sort of which one do you want to to have a go at and you might only get one shot so the pressure to get it right for you is is quite intense really and, and that in itself is a, a hard pressure to have on your shoulders it really really is and then the sort of backlash that people face um you know if if the first first attempt at private medicine doesn't work you know I think yeah. that that's uh, and, and then sort of people will find they'll get quite a lot of resistance about trying anything new because, you know, it's like, well, that didn't work. So, yeah. Yes. Whereas we know, um, you know, being in the sort of on the coal face and in the trenches with this all, um, that it, it's often the way that, you know, every, as you say, everybody's body reacts so differently. Um, you know, just because one thing's failed, it doesn't mean another thing will. But it's just that question of finding your own unique path because it is an absolute minefield definitely um, due to the lack of research and I think that's somewhere we really would love to go um you know as we grow as an organization is to get to the stage where we can actually um contribute to some research which is desperately needed so that's actually part of our one of our goals um you know yeah. is to be able to to start put, you know freeing up some funding for that that would be a dream um because 
we haven't even got a proper test. I mean, that and yes, as you well know, um, you know, to not even be able to say when the illness is definitely gone, that is a yeah. huge, huge problem because, you know, doctors are confidently saying, oh, there's no way it could be Lyme disease. You've had the standard treatment. Whereas we know full well, there's, they, they can't prove that. Um, yeah. And I still struggle with this mentality of someone's symptoms aren't resolved after the standard treatment. And then they're told, oh, it must be something different now when the symptoms yeah. are exactly the same. It's not, it's not logical that suddenly they've got something else, you know? Um, yeah. And we know that for everyone who's told it can't possibly still be Lyme disease, that there's no way they can say that, you know, realistically, because the, there's no test that can tell us. And so that's where the focus has to be until there's a good test. We're going to be in this minefield. Um, you know, for, for, for the foreseeable future. And we just, I just really hope that, that some money or some, something can happen to, to give us a test because it has to be the starting place. Definitely. And like you say, we're not, we're not sort of causing trouble or fighting against the medical community. We no. want to work with them and help them. Of course, of course. And we're so lucky that we do have um, support, you know, from, and again, all, all the, the GPs and people who wanted to learn and who've taken the, RCPG uh, course, um, yeah. you know, which has been um, set up by Lyme Disease Action and, and the Royal College of GPs. I mean, people want to learn. Um, yes. And, you know, we've been, some doctors have been wonderful with putting up our, our material in their, in their surgeries and all of that. And it's not their fault. It's just no. they, they need, um, at least there is this guideline now, which is extended treatment uh, from more than the, the, what it what used to be. But um just they ha- they haven't got the science or well, no one's got the science to actually um then feed into the medical curriculum so yes. it's nobody's fault necessarily it's just um that we we just have to come make make progress in this area and that requires funding yes definitely yeah. and may is awareness month and um, yeah a lot going on but how we can do. people sort of get involved and help and raise awareness well i mean going to our website so at the moment um the first thing that people will see on our website is all about our, our campaign and all the different ways they can get involved. So um, Lyme disease UK.com and then Perfect. yeah, just select the, the awareness campaign, but things like um, as we've discussed, sharing our social media posts is a great yeah. way to start. Um, and then attending any of the events. So any of these uh, building light ups where that, where their events attached, um, you know, if people want to go along there and hand out uh, leaflets and things like that. That's always a great way to meet other people too. Um, but also to, to help spread the word, um, handing out our, you know, ordering awareness packs and handing out our materials in the local community is one of the most effective ways. So, um, going to the supermarkets have actually been very supportive. We found, um, so putting them up on the supermarket notice boards, um, yes. coffee shops are very receptive in general, um, vets, uh, pharmacies, libraries, schools, uh, offices, you know, any public space, recreational yes. parks, um, and just even putting whatever poster they'll, they'll accept. I mean, some of the posters are more detailed, um, and we, so we've noticed some resistance around certain ones, but others, you know, sometimes a simple just wake up to line, that's enough, and it's providing people with our with our website, which that people can then find out more information. Um, then anybody, if they want to hold an event for us, um, you know, do get in touch because we, we can provide people with packs and, and, you know, all the leaflets and materials that they need to, and fundraise, fundraising yeah. buckets and things like that. Um, and just speaking to people and yeah, exactly. Just distributing as much information as possible that we, that we yes. provide. Um, and then getting involved in anything. Sometimes we'll run, 
campaigns within campaigns online. So whether it's wearing, you know, wearing a certain color on a certain, it's um yes, a certain activity. You know, just anything that you you feel like. I think the great thing about this is there's so many different ways to get involved. So you just pick the one that definitely resonates, resonates most with you. But yes, go to our website and just um, see all the different ways. And it might even be as simple as changing your profile picture to include our our frame or one of our, yes. our logos. I mean, even that yeah. um, can start conversations. You know definitely I, I think that's great yeah. and I know this might be hard too but what are the goals for the future because I know there's going to be so <laughs> many that we probably have I know like I think the sky that we're really lucky in that the sky is the limit but um I think our, yeah. our goals for the future are um you know to continue to grow to continue to reach the people who still stand a chance um so to make sure that nobody goes uh, untreated or un- undertreated, um, you know, when, when they know they've had a bite, um, but also yeah. to continue to do things for those who are chronically ill. So, for example, having international experts coming over to give conferences, you know, um, they've been very generous, many of them are giving their time for free, you know, um, just to come over and, and speak to our people and also give them uh, tips that they can do at home, you know, because even if they can't, necessarily afford yeah. to fly out to the US or they can't fly to you know, fly abroad or, or, or get private treatment then they can come along to these um, these conferences and these events that we're hosting um, and maybe get some tips which might help them at home um, because there are things there are yeah. things you can do to make your immune system stronger at home so we're sort of constantly trying to balance the um, support we give to those who are newly bitten but also the support to those who are chronically ill so I think that's um, you know that that's going to remain a really strong goal of ours we again as I said earlier we really want to be able to um, give to research if we get to that point where we have enough yes. enough money in the bank but also um, we would love to start doing sort of patient grants where we are able to give um, it, what most likely will be a set sum of money but to to, to patients to spend however they want whether that's um getting gluten-free food because it's it's sometimes more expensive or whether it's um yeah whether it's accessing treatment or you know it, sort of a lump sum for them to use as they want that would be a dream of ours but um obviously we've got a long way to go before we're at that point yeah but that, definitely. That, that would be a really really big goal of ours is to you know say here's some here's some help and you you use it in the way that you feel will help you most on your healing journey um and then our goal still is to just provide the best support uh, network that we can and, and w- within the online community. So making sure it's as safe as possible and that people are finding it quickly um, and that they feel they feel supported in there and, and that all the options are laid out for them um, as soon as possible so that they can sort of pick their way through this minefield. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And I think, I think those are, are great goals really because like you were saying about, you know, giving funds to patients they people forget how expensive just living with a chronic illness is in general well, exactly. you know you're changing diet the supplements and those things. yeah yeah exactly um you know that alone is a big part of people's sort of budgets and and you know organic food or gluten-free food is often, is often yes. more expensive so anything that can help people's day-to-day life or you know a certain kind of wheelchair or a certain you know anything that's going to make life more comfortable it would be wonderful to be in a position to be able to help with that but as I said that's quite a way off um from where we are but that would be that would be a a long-term goal um and that's actually written into our charity constitution that's our that's our wish so fingers crossed we can we can get the support to make that happen that would be that would be great because 
Definitely. We are so aware that, you know, awareness is, is so crucial, but that, you know, thousands and thousands in our in our support community, um, you know, that's that's it's too late for them um, because they're yeah. already already uh, 10 years down the line, you know. Yes. And, and like we were saying before, you know, knowledge is power. So the more that people learn and the more that we keep learning, we're only going to go from strength to strength. Well, exactly. And I think as the profile of the illness increases, um, you know, there is more research. And there's quite a lot of research going on in the U.S. at the moment um, into persister cells and why is it persisting beyond you know, the standard course of antibiotics. So I've, I'm very hopeful that eventually this will get the attention that it deserves, but it, it just needs so much more because it's not some rare disorder. It's it's something that anybody venturing outside, whether they're in a town or yeah. a, a town or in a country setting, you know, they're at risk. And so I, I still struggle with that, you know, all these years later, why why this isn't receiving more funding and, and attention when when anyone who enjoys the outdoors is at risk and we know now definitely yeah we know now that it's not limited to um the new forest or it's not limited to scotland it's it's everywhere it's in london parks it's in people's back gardens so um and i think as i'm sure you've noticed too in the group um my heart always sinks when sort of spring arrives because we get that fresh wave of people who it's suddenly yeah it's warm enough to go outside and so we're getting all the footage of um of the rashes and then people who are um picking ticks off their dogs because it's suddenly uh you know it's, it's, it's although although they're active all year round this this season is a, we see a huge ramp up in in fresh cases yeah definitely and like you say it is heartbreaking and you know that's why i think we all sort of put our like heads together and we're like oh my gosh we want to help as many people as we can and we end up often sort of overworking ourselves because we don't want more and more people to become infected because it's just heartbreaking. To exactly. Us. There's a sort of panic, panic on, you know, to make sure that they get they yeah. get what they're entitled to and that they get the bare minimum, you know, because I think that's the problem we're seeing um, day in, day out is that even though that these new guidelines is out, um, a lot of doctors aren't aware that it exists. And so they're treating according to outdated advice. And so we're having to yeah. educate people on how to advocate for themselves and to go back and say, actually, you know, two weeks is no longer the standard. It's actually three weeks. So, um, you know, it's frustrating to see that even with new guidance, um, a lot of the advice that's been given and the treatment that's been given is outdated. Um, but then yeah. I, I feel like that's where, where we come in. That's our role is to is to equip people to go back to the doctor and challenge them and say, actually, this guidance says, you know, I'm entitled to three weeks. So, and then Definitely. possibly a second course if, if the symptoms persist. So uh, I think that's such vital information that can really... Uh, be be the difference between suffering you know for years versus nipping it in the bud hopefully definitely yeah definitely well thank you so so much for being on my podcast today I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule because I know how busy you are oh well no thank you for having me and and thank you for for everything that you do for us I mean you're, you've just been oh, such you. a huge asset to the charity and you you know really helped us to grow so if it wasn't for your hard work you know we wouldn't be able to achieve normal anything like what we have so um you know Oh, thank so you. Grateful. That's so kind of you to no, say. We're, thank we're you. So grateful, and I'm just I'm so impressed by everything that you're doing to help us and to raise awareness and all these amazing projects that you have, like your events and your podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. No, thank you. It's been an honour for me to have you as a guest, and you know I love working with the charity and I love working with you, and you've given me back my life. So I'm so thankful to you every day. Oh, that means so much. Well, you know, none of what we we 
do would be possible without you so you're such a valued member of the team and, uh, and I enjoy working with you so much as well we have a lot of fun so um despite yes, we do despite our suffering so um yes definitely i'm so so grateful and just wishing you all the best for everything that you have coming up i know you've got so much and you've been you know you've got all these events and exciting things going on so thank you thank you so much and let's hope we can keep awareness month going and keep the message going out strong and clear absolutely we'll keep the momentum going and hopefully it'll be our best year yet and um we can just keep getting bigger and bigger every year definitely well thank you so 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 much i really appreciate it oh no it. thank you sophie and um yes i'll chat to you soon I'm really grateful yes definitely thank you so much see you later bye bye, bye.